Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Alright, welcome back to Walking with Freya. If you follow me on social media or have listened to some past episodes of this podcast, then you have most likely read or heard me speak about the rhythmic movement therapy. I began this with Freya many, many months ago, and it's something that I'm just so grateful we have been introduced to. Well, in uh, back in December, I had the wonderful pleasure of interviewing Sonia Story, the creator of the Move, Play, Thrive curriculum for the Brain and Sensory Foundation. Honestly, I'm not even sure where to begin. This therapy and way of understanding our bodies just seems so brilliant and simple at the same time. I'm not really sure if that makes sense, but It involves neurodevelopmental movements, which Sonia explains as movements that are innate to human beings and they help us develop. Without these movements and the integration of our reflexes, our brain and body and sensory system is not able to mature. Now, I won't get too far into what I mean by reflex integration because Sonia does such a wonderful job of explaining it, but here's a little brief example if you think of a baby's uh, innate reflex, the when you put a finger in their hand, right, and their fingers curl around your finger, this is a reflex, and this is one that should have a life cycle, and it should be gone within, like, the first year of life, and it is a sign of a maturing brain. Well, if your child retains that reflex, as Freya did when she first began these movements, it is a sort of a blockage to further development. That is absolutely my laywoman's explanation and understanding, but hopefully you get an idea of what we're talking about here. It is, and since starting these movements, Freya's handwriting has improved greatly. You know, that's just one of the many things that Freya has benefited from. So I just want you to know that this episode blew my mind. I mean, I thought... I mean, I was already a fan of the therapy before this, and then doing the research to interview Sonia and then talking with her, it just blew my mind even more. And when you learn about it and you begin to understand it even deeper, then you start to see how all the people around you, so many people around you could benefit from this. This is not just for children diagnosed with developmental delays, but the, quote, typically developing children who are struggling in certain areas, the ones who can't sit still in class, even adults who struggle with anxiety, with depression, with sleep issues. I mean, the list of people who can be helped by this therapy is is long. So 
You know, just think brain maturity, integrated reflexes, connections, pathways, sensory integration, trauma healing, feeling grounded in your body, emotional security, all of these things. As Sonia says, these movements are life changing. Now, Freya has an OT who has been teaching these movements, and this OT learned these movements by taking Sonia's course, but anyone can take Sonia's course. She originally set out to teach these for parents, to teach these movements to parents. And there will be a link in the show notes to the first level course that is offered by Sonia and uh, the Brain and Sensory Foundation. You can also visit my website, go to the About Walking with Freya page, and you'll find a brief description and a link to the website. So in the interest of full disclosure, I will say that I am now an affiliate of this program, which means that I get a tiny commission if you follow the links that I provide and end up uh, taking one of the courses. I just wanted to be very clear about that, but I really believe in this therapy. I use this therapy. I'm promoting it because I believe in it, because I think it's amazing, and I want more people to know about it and learn about it because it's fascinating and I think it's incredibly beneficial to so many people. But you should decide. Check out this interview. Follow the link to check out the course if you're interested. Uh, you can hear the testimonials on the website and see if this is something you're interested in because it can be such a benefit to our children, to other members of our family, to our friends, and to ourselves. I have started using some of these movements when I feel some anxiety come up. I, I do a couple of the movements and it really is calming. And it's just, uh, when Sonia gets into the science of, of why it works, it's very fascinating. So I'm sure you're tired of hearing about me. I won't talk about it anymore because we have a whole 55 minutes of Sonia explaining it to a much better degree than I, than I can. But first, uh, I wanted to go over a bit of business. I have finally started an email list, and I'm really hoping that everyone that listens will go. Um, you can follow a link in the show notes or go to the website, and you'll see there's a very clear, um, on a couple pages actually, a very clear spot to join the Walking with Freya community. Now, I did this in part because I can't, because Instagram has changed social media, the algorithms. I don't even know if y'all are seeing this stuff that I'm posting because it is not set up for you guys to see this stuff. The way it is set up now is that I am supposed to be paying thousands of dollars to promote my posts so that people see it. I don't have that kind of money. I can't do that. This is, I'm a one woman show here. This is, a, a I do this from love and passion and the belief that we need this community, but especially trying to keep up in social media, it's a lot of work. So I have an email list now. And if you join the email list, you will for sure stay in touch. And you will also be made aware of the launch of the Writer's Journal for Parents of Children with Special Needs. That is not the title. That's the tagline. But that is what I have created. The writing prompts are done. And I'm just tweaking some of my own writing. And then I'm getting this writing journal into a variety of formats. Video is going to be one option. <laughs> You'll get to see my nutty self trying to uh, make a video, which is whatever. It is what it is. But <laughs> there's also 
going to be audio and there is there will be a hard copy available also so I'm just I'm I'm smoothing out the edges and that will be out and I'm so excited because I really as you all know I totally believe in the healing power of writing and telling your story and so many of you have responded to that and and so many of you that I've interviewed have told me how healing it was to tell your story and I really would love to offer this to the community for people to be able to you know to help people draw the story out pull their story out so if you sign up for the email list you will be alerted when that launches. So you will have more intimate access to me. You will be notified of the podcast up updates and happenings. Any resources that I come across that I think will be helpful, I'll definitely email, the, email those out. And any special offers or first dibs, promotion kind of things on projects and uh, some of these other sources, um, all of that will be in the email list. So in the emails, but don't worry, I will not bombard your inbox with emails. I know that you don't have the time to read them and I don't have the time to write them, but I will let you know the important things. So again, sign up for the email list, follow the link in the show notes or visit the website andfricky.com, the walking with Freya about, about walking with Freya page. And not to sound like a broken record, but I really do need those ratings and those reviews and possibly subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. It only takes a moment and it helps so much. So check out whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this, find the rate and review button and take a quick and simple action to help out this podcast. And that will help other people know that we are here and that we are waiting to welcome them into the community. So thank you for doing that. And I know that I haven't published a solo episode in a while and I'm really itching to. And maybe some of you are stoked that I haven't. But I know that some others of you like the intimacy and the honesty of those solo episodes. So I have a couple brewing, but I also have a backlog of great interviews. So I'm going to find the balance in there somewhere. If you are interested in what's happening in mine and Freya's world, you can follow us on Instagram and maybe see what we post if you're in the 7% of people that will see it. Um, and that is a, that's Walking with Freya on Instagram, or you can join the Walking with Freya Facebook group. So enough of that. I will leave all this here so we can get into it with Sonia. It's a fascinating topic a fascinating interview and if you know nothing about this therapy or these movements or the underlying uh, hows and whys that it works prepare to have your mind blown or not I did and I hope you do too so as always thank you all for being here I am here with Sonia Story, and Sonia, you have uh, a very impressive and extensive list of trainings, job certifications, and experiences. Um, so I just want to say first that you specialize in teaching neurodevelopmental and integrative movement courses. You are a certified rhythmic movement training instructor and you are a developer and instructor for the Brain and Sensory Foundation. 
and just to kind of give our listeners context. And as I just told you, I've, I've mentioned the rhythmic movements and the therapies that I'm doing with Freya. And I have learned those through her OT who uh, learned from your curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just want to give you the opportunity to, if you want to introduce yourself and if there's anything you want to add to that or clarify, just so that listeners know uh, really who you are and what, the, what it is that you do. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'm very thrilled to be here. And uh, I have been blessed uh, with the ability to take many, many courses in neurodevelopmental movement from I feel the finest mentors in the world in this subject. And throughout my training, I just kept thinking, wow, somehow we got to get this information out to parents. But there wasn't a lot available that was accessible uh, for parents. And so I set out to make something because I just felt so compelled that it was a, there was a need. And so I created the Brain and Sensory Foundations curriculum, which is really a synthesis of the best of the best tools that I learned from mentors, um, the best tools that were really working and making huge impacts, and then my own experience with children. And all of that mixed in with play and love and connection because it's got to be fun and there has to be joy there for children. (laughs) And that's the best way that they can heal and that their neurosensory motor system can grow. So that's what I set out to do. And it's we've gotten some fantastic uh, feedback and I'm, I'm really happy with it. I, I feel blessed all the time that I get to share these wonderful movements. And um, I started out using them on myself and then my own children and then other children. And then I've also used these movements with a full range from baby to elder. And uh, I feel like they're one of the best gifts uh, that a human being can, uh, can have and can be exposed to. Yeah. I know even just uh, that when I first started it, those first four days, <laughs> even after the first four days, I remember Freya who, who needs fi- help with fine motor skills amongst other things. And she was not tying her shoes. And I remember after four days of doing these movements, which I was so happy to implement because they're so they're so um, simple and non-invasive and calm. You know, there's just, it's not a therapy that fe- it feels good to be doing it. Correct. And so I remember at four days, uh, after four days of doing it, she walked into the room and she said, look what I did, mama. And I looked down and both of her shoes were tied. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what? That's, yeah, it's so great. I just get chills when I hear stories like that. It's uh, so exciting for the children they love when they um, are capable, you know, they, they want to be capable and they want to do things. And when we can help them, it's, it's so great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's so instinctual in a way, but uh, well, I guess, okay. So before we get into it, because I I still, um, there was so much that I did not know or understand when I started it. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, researching for, this interview and trying to understand things a little bit more, um, you know, I, I learned more. And so let's, can we uh, just put out a few definitions first and then kind of maybe get into an explanation of what the, the movements are? Um, sure. Absolutely. Okay. 
So my definition for neurodevelopmental movement are movements that are innate to human beings and that help them develop. And so these are very specific movements. They've been studied for decades and there is quite a lot of research on them, what they look like, how they're stimulated. And there, there are three different categories within what we call neurodevelopmental movement. So just to simplify, neurodevelopmental movements are the innate movements of early infancy for all human beings. These are the movements mm -hmm. that babies do in the womb and very early infancy. Many, many, many of them are prior to crawling. And the reason I say that is because when I mention neurodevelopmental movement, people sometimes think they know what that is and they say, oh yeah, yeah, like crawling. And it is true that crawling is a neurodevelopmental movement, but there's so much hap that happens before that uh -huh. that um, is very important to know about because many children um, in this day and age, these neurodevelopmental movements are, they're hindered and they're interfered with and for many, many reasons. But um, so there's a whole set of movements that we come with as human beings that every baby will do automatically without any thought, but automatically, so this is like the brain and body's own exercise template for growth and development. And they will be done, like I said, by every baby, no matter where on the earth, uh, what culture, um, as long as the baby is healthy and has room to move and is not stressed, every baby will go through the same set of movements. And the movements are designed to grow the brain and the body and the sensory system. So that's how I would explain neurodevelopmental movement. And then within that, there are three main categories that you can, uh, you know, kind of delineate, even though they sort of flow into each other. Uh -huh. But one category is reflexes. These are primitive reflexes and postural reflexes. And these are specific movement patterns. That's what I was referring to when I said these have been studied for decades. So um, parents know these actually. So if you take a baby and you put your finger in their hand, their fingers will automatically curl around your your hand and grasp it. Mm -hmm. So that's one, um, and there are many. And then an, another category besides the reflexes are rhythmic movements, which are what you were referring to with Freya. They're very calming, soothing, organizing, super helpful for maturing the brain. And again, they're innate. Um, they're things that babies will do as long as they're given the opportunity. And then the third category are developmental movements. And all these, um, so the developmental movements would be things like that are more familiar, like milestones, like rolling over, um, crawling, um, standing up and walking, those kinds of things. Although, obviously, walking stays with us. But right. <laughs> um, yeah, so the the point about the reflexes, at least the very primitive ones, is that they ideally should have a life cycle. They should be very active in the womb and, and at birth and for a little bit of time after birth, but most of them within the first year of life should be dormant, and that's a sign of greater brain maturity. 
what's happening for many of our children is that instead of those reflexes going through their normal developmental life cycle, they're getting stuck along the way and they're not able to fully go dormant, which means the brain is left, the brain and the body and the sensory system are left in a state of immaturity and that causes problems with functioning. One of the things I read that really kind of explained, helped me understand, um, but I don't know if it's jumping ahead, but uh, from your website about the um, operating from the lower part of the brain, those primitive reflexes are kind of in the, in the lower part of the brain and they, and they don't let us use the prefrontal cortex. Right. So I don't know if that's jumping ahead yet, though. No, so that's that. actually, this is a perfect place to talk about that because I did just mention brain maturity. And unless we really know what that looks like, um, we don't really know what that means. So I, I'll, I'll paint some pictures here. So one, if you are expecting a child, for example, to go to school and sit still and listen to directions and follow what the teacher's saying, that requires some brain maturity to be able to do that. Um, even if you're expecting a four-year-old to um, be able to just sit still and play on his own for a while, um, that is not going to happen easily if the brain is not mature because the brain has to have enough maturity in order to sit still to begin with. It has to have enough maturity even to hold itself upright, to hold the body upright um, and aligned and to give us our core strength. So the brain and the body work together um, to make this happen. And it's because of these movements that normal development happens. They're required for development. So when you talk about um, getting stuck in the lower parts of the brain, that's literally what's happening. So these neurodevelopmental movements, primitive reflexes and postural reflexes are, um, they're housed, so to speak, in the brain, in the lower um, survival systems and, or survival parts of the brain, like the brain stem, uh, the basal ganglia, um, and that's good when we're infants because that is the part of the brain that needs to be uh, the most active because there were, were um, our behavior at that point is geared towards survival as it should be. And we need these reflexive automatic movements to get us doing things like like being able to suck and get nourishment and be able to um, learn about our bodies and where they are in space and, and be able to, in that first year, be able to stand up and walk and be able to be upright, free of tension. So all these movements have such a vast array of functions and jobs, so to speak. So they're, they're responsible for maturing the brain um, they're responsible for maturing the body. They mature the sensory system. And so if we don't get the full benefit of these movements, which is happening quite a lot in this day and age, then there are gaps in our ability to function. So for example, um, you talk about you know being stuck in the lower part of the brain. Well, there are direct pathways that go from the brain stem 
to the cortex. So when brain maturity does happen, there's connectivity and pathways that allow us to function better. So the pathways are first developed in through what's called the limbic system, where we have our emotional development, things like um, where we develop, um, you know, our emotional and social skills. And then we have further development up to the cortex where we develop things like our language skills, our sensory motor skills, our ability to control our impulses, um, our ability to make good judgments, our ability to learn and communicate. So all those things require brain growth and brain connectivity. And you really can't get that unless you move. Um, it doesn't happen without movement. So hopefully that's making things clearer. Yeah, absolutely. I, my, as I was uh, doing, you know, reading through some of the articles you had sent me and looking and watching the videos on your, on your website, I, you know, my first and foremost, my interest is because of Freya, but I just couldn't help, you know, learning more about this and, and how it can affect us as adults. And just, <laughs> I found myself like diagnosing so many people in my life and oh, I know, you know <laughs> just like even myself, you know, my, how I yeah. deal with anxiety. It just, I mean, it really is such an amazing and, and in, in a way, obvious way to look at our development. And um, I'm wondering, you know, because I remember when Freya started with her therapies with the oral motor specialist who she took it back to the beginning of how she was sitting and how she learned to sit. And she did uh, the Feldenkrais method of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, yeah. seemed, it seemed kind of similar in that there's these building blocks that you have to kind of start with and and build on. Is that kind of the, the same idea, would you say? Um, there might be some similarities, but in Feldenkrais, they uh, don't work directly with the primitive reflexes, whereas we're working with um, movements that are innate. Right. And okay. These, but you kind of you're you ha you're taking people back to the beginning, right? In a way. Yes. In it. Yes. Yes. That is similar. Yeah. That is a similar concept. So the brain grows at the fastest rate while we're in the womb and during early infancy after birth, and it's an astronomical rate. But the only way it can do that is through movement stimulus and sensory stimulus. So. The reason why the brain is growing so fast is because we come with this automatic set of movements that will give us sensory and motor stimulation. So again, they're the required movements for setting up our brain and body to be able to function well in the first place. So um, it is um, and you also mentioned, you know, <laughs> diagnosing. Um, it's kind of funny because when I first started learning this, my husband said, you know, not everything has to do with these reflexes. And I said, well, actually it does because, you know, and he just got, because I, I just was so fascinated mm -hmm. talking about this and um, I couldn't stop for a long time. I just, I was making connections everywhere and was so excited about what I was learning. And it went a little over the top. My family started rolling their eyes. But, um, but I, I have been doing this for over 12 years. And 
I never cease to be amazed by what these movements can do. I, I say often that they're the finest gift to humanity, but um, they're relatively unknown. Uh, my, my hope and prayer is that they will, these movements will become known um, and used and first of all honored so that they're not interfered with in the first place, but they are such a gift for our lifelong health and well-being. And I think what I'd like to do is just share that when I started using these movements, it was so life-changing for me because I had uh, underlying anxiety, which was so deeply buried in my subconscious that I really didn't even know it was there. It was just my continual default mode. And um, so I, you know, I was, you would probably look at me from the outside and think, oh yeah, she's functioning pretty well. You know, I was, uh, I held down a job. I went to college. I got good grades. Um, I got married. I had two children, but I never realized that I was doing all that in such a huge compensatory way and with anxiety all the time. And the only reason I figured it out is because the anxiety stopped after I started doing these movements. And that's how buried it was. And then I realized, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like as a human being. You know, it's not supposed to be so hard. It's not so supposed to be so overwhelming all the time. And so I tapped into some spontaneous joy and um, really pleasurable ways of being, like my whole visual system changed. Um, I was able to take in visual information in a completely different way. And um, this underlying uh, low-grade anxiety that I'd had my entire life uh, vanished, and it was uh, amazing. And I will also say that I had been doing many other things. I'd been doing regular meditation. I'd been doing regular um, movement, but not innate movement. Um, I'd been reading all the self-help books. I'd been, you know, attending to my diet and I ate a good diet, you know, so I'd been doing quite a lot of things to, because I knew something's wrong here, but I just never even really knew what it was until um, I was able to overcome um, with the help of these movements and they, they just go directly into the nervous system and give us a whole new level of maturity, uh, again, in the brain and sensory system. And then we can function better. It's, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's inter interesting. And I've heard that quite a lot and, and had my own experience with that is, um, you know, the underlying anxiety or for some people, depression and not even realizing that it's there until you kind of come out of it. Right. And so, and there's no, I mean, to do these movements, to do this therapy, there's no, um, what I can't think of the word right now, but like there's nothing bad's going to come out of it. Like you're oh, only like going to get no contraindications. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, or maybe there are, we, sorry. Well, there, the only thing is, is that what we need to do is we need to understand that the movements are incredibly powerful and they're actually really good at, um, resolving trauma as well. So the one caution would be 
just to start with small amounts, tiny amounts for anyone who's very sensitive or anyone who's had trauma, and then gradually build up. Um, but they are very gentle and very, they're, they're as natural as you can get because they're the brain and body's own movement template that the brain and body come with. So they're in, for the vast majority, there are no contraindications. If somebody's had an injury and something hurts, we don't do it. You know, we, we stop. Um, and the only other thing that would be uh, something to be very cautious with would be seizures um, because movement, these movements will change the brain. And um, if somebody has a seizure, you know, you need to check with your healthcare professional before you start any movement program, not just these, but anyone. And so, um, but these in particular are very powerful for changing the brain. And um, so with ones who are sensitive, we can, that's what I love about the way this is taught and the way I teach it is, is that we can do it in small amounts and then gradually build up so that it's pleasant and um, so that it's joyful and so that we're just building on success so that when we do um, encounter individuals who are very sensitive, uh, then we can go at their pace. What, when I first started doing it with Freya, the first week she fell asleep every time. Like mm -hmm. that, which I thought was interesting that mm -hmm. she, cause I started right in with the 15 minutes at a time and uh, just went through all four of the movements and yeah, she fell asleep every time. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. Um, I, th I don't know how the brain does it. There's some innate intelligence, but it seems like when you give these movements, the brain and body just know what to do with them. I think that's why they work so well. It's kind of like if you give, you know, vitamin C, your body knows where it needs it and it will take it in the way that it needs it, knows where it needs it. But like some people will sleep more. That's probably the number one um, comment that we hear from parents is that it helps their children sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also great for any age for helping with sleep. Um, which is actually a huge issue right now. So just for that reason in itself, it's worth learning these movements. Um, but also, oftentimes, once the body gets enough sleep and it integrates the information from the movements, it also can activate the brain, like really stimulate it in a way that um, makes it function so much better. And I can give you a couple examples. So there was one mother of a boy, a teenage boy with autism, and uh, he had a really hard time with his short-term memory. And so they didn't want him to answer the phone because he would pick the phone up, you know, say hello, take a message, and then he'd hang the phone up and he'd go to deliver the message, but then he'd forget who called. So really serious memory issues. Wow. But after doing this, these movements, um, his, his memory improved vastly. So he could answer the phone, take the message, relay the message. And he also made huge gains in his math skills and reading skills, like phenomenal gains in, you know, uh, just a couple months. 
and um, he, yeah. And then there was another um, situation where an older gentleman who was starting to have signs of uh, Parkinson's uh -huh. and he was doing some computer game like luminosity to try and build his brain. And for weeks he was doing one particular game where he kept scoring um, 600. And then he did these rhythmic movements for about a week and his score jumped to 4,000. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And we have amazing, I hope your listeners will go up on my website, themoveplaythrive.com, because mm -hmm. we have great um, before and after drawings that children have done, handwriting yeah. samples. Um, it's really, there's, these movements are so powerful. I just, I just want everyone to have them. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what really struck me um, is just how they work for all areas of development. Yes, that they that they have such a profound effect. I mean, yeah, those draw and even Freya. That's um, I was at her IEP, I believe it was one of the meetings, and the teacher was talking about how good her handwriting mm -hmm. has gotten. And you know, I was just kind of like, uh huh, okay, right. <laughs> I know why. <laughs> Yes, and um, it's true. They because they're so foundational, they do. They affect all areas of our functioning. So they'll affect our physical functioning. And one of the main reasons for that is these movements are really capable of getting us out of a fight or flight existence, which is really what was at the core of my anxiety. Is that um, because my nervous system was left kind of raw and underdeveloped, there was always um, the underlying fight or flight. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one of the things that these movements do is they take us out of fight or flight. And then from there, we can digest better, we can think better, our brain can grow better, our muscles can grow better. So it has huge implications for all realms of our functioning, physical strength and stamina, um, emotional and social uh, skills, mm -hmm. uh, language skills, cognitive skills, and uh, just feeling more comfortable within your own body and your own skin, just much greater levels of comfort and, um, you know, just pleasure being in the body and being able to embody in ways that are pleasurable. And um, I think that's where human beings are meant to be. I think they're meant to, well, we know from brain research that they're meant to move and we're meant to have pleasure moving and movement should be easy and pleasurable. Being in our body should be easy and pleasurable. But when, when these infant reflexes don't get to go through their life cycle, there's a lot of um, compensation. There's pain and soreness and muscle aches and sometimes headaches and irritability. And so I think one of the big messages I would love for parents and educators to understand is that children are really struggling physically in their body and they, they, they're having a hard time because they want to do what we're asking of them, but oftentimes they're physiologically not set up to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I remember talking to a mother uh, one time, she was just starting her journey learning about these reflexes and she had a 
12-year-old son with autism and she she said, well, I, I've, I've already checked these reflexes and I don't think he has them. And I said, well, I said, from what you're describing, I think he does. And she said, oh, you are so right, you know, because she she learned how to how to be able to check for them. And then um, she told me a story that there was one time that she was attempting to help her son by having him walk in a, a pattern of like a lemnus gate, which is like an eight or an infinity sign. And she was trying to get him to swing his arms and he started crying and saying, mom, it hurts. So imagine that, like he's trying to walk and just have a normal arm swing while he walks and it, it hurts, it's so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, another little boy told me, this was a little guy who was just shy of five years old and, uh, I asked him, because I, I had asked him to lay down on my on my table in my session room, and I said, what's it like if you lay down on your back like this? Because he would barely do it. He could only do it for a second, and he said, it feels like I'm going to explode. So it's wow. really physically uncomfortable for these children when they're left in a state of being so raw and vulnerable in their neurosensory and motor system it's deeply challenging. And I know that from my own experience, and it's probably 10 to 100 times worse for other children who have more severe challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it does, it's, they're, they're, these movements are so foundational and so fundamental that when you start applying them, it's, it's almost, you know, you get to see right before your eyes the miracle of development and what development should have been doing in infancy, but didn't have the chance. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and there was uh, one of the videos I watched. The woman had, um, I think it was a uh, oh, Nikki Galway. I'm sorry. Oh, mm -hmm. Nina. Nina. Nina Galway. I'm sorry. Nina yeah. Galway. Mm -hmm. And she, there was an example of the handwriting that the boy had done when he came in, and she could tell how stressed out he was. And then yeah. she uh, did ten minutes of rhythmic movement with him. And came back and and then to just ten minutes later the writing sample was so different. Right. Neater, cleaner, just you know, more concise. And um if I could, I just wanna there's an article you sent me, the importance of integrating reflexes. And I just wanna be I just want the listeners to be clear how um you know pervasive this is and how it uh, these um incomplete integrations can affect uh, people. So I just wanted to read this, the top line Sure. that um, incomplete integration of childhood reflexes can be mild to severe and contribute to anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, autism, learning disorders, developmental delay, sensory integration disorders, vision and hearing problems, behavioral challenges, extreme shyness, lack of confidence, addiction, inefficient, effortful work, and constantly feeling overwhelmed. Mm. Such a broad range. I mean, obviously, with this podcast, we talk about children with special needs that have, you know, been diagnosed. Like most of them have an actual diagnosis, and so they have um, all of this stuff in place. And and there's things that we understand about them. But then, you know, just going through and, and reading about this, and and how, you know, even these kids that never get a diagnosis are just kids that have a hard time sitting in class. And right, they right. can't, they can't focus and they're being expected to do something that they can't 
they can't really do, but that because they don't have a diagnosis, because it doesn't fit un, in the, some category, it's not really seen as that. Yeah, that's the heartbreaking thing for me because there are so many of those children um, and there is really clear research over decades showing that these unintegrated or sometimes they're called retained reflexes because they're retained from embassy, mm -hmm. they never went dormant, um, where they should have been dormant, most of them by the end of the first year of life. But there's clear research over decades that these unintegrated reflex patterns go hand in hand with dysfunction. They go hand in hand with dyslexia, with learning challenges, with ADHD, with autism. Um, they go hand in hand with things like um, physical illness, like infections. Um, they go hand in hand with Parkinson's. They go hand in hand with schizophrenia, with um, other mental illness. They go hand in hand with... Um, uh, what's the other one? Um, different uh, psychoses and things like that. So, um, and they go hand in hand with physical challenges as well. So when there's lack of stamina, lack of strength, um, lack of coordination, um, it they're there. You can find them. If you know what to look for, they're there. And the, the beautiful thing is that they are correctable. And we have, I, I hope your listeners will go and check out the case studies on the website because they're so inspiring. And um, these movements couldn't be more life-changing. They're so life-changing. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, just, they're just the difference between night and day um, in, in terms of our ability to function. And that's yeah. not to say it's not the only, it's not, this isn't the only thing, of course, to do. Like, there are many other very worthwhile things to do, like, um, you know, um, nutrition and detox and um, caring for our health and other ways will all be very mm -hmm. supportive. Um, but these are so fundamentally important that, again, I wish everybody had uh, knew these. And the interesting thing for me also, Annie, is that um, I set out to teach parents this work, but it as it turned out, there were many, many occupational therapists and physical therapists who mm -hmm. wanted to learn this and also eventually vision therapists and um, speech and language uh, pathologists. And what I, what I came to find out through all the trainings I did and then all the trainings I gave uh, were that OTs aren't really learning fully how to address these unintegrated reflexes. They do learn about them in OT school. They learn how to check for them and what it looks like when they're not integrated, but they don't learn how to do the actual integration in their um, standard schooling. So many OTs are seeking out this training, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they're coming back and saying, this is the best thing we've ever learned for sensory processing issues. Well, it's interesting because the movements are the best sensory diet you could possibly give a child. Um, and they work better than usually than, um, or they work in conjunction with a sensory diet because sometimes sensory diet is not enough because you could give all this stimulation with a sensory diet, and it's usually through like the tactile system. But if the tactile system is raw and vulnerable and isn't fully developed because you've got these 
um, unintegrated or retained reflexes, then you could be giving stimulation that's actually, um, it's, it keeps being disruptive to the child because mm. they don't have a foundation from which to build um, that on that sensory stimulus. So I'm hoping that that's, you know, and there's nothing wrong with sensory diets. They're life-changing for some children, mm -hmm. but we want to make sure, like you had mentioned earlier, like we go back to the foundation right. and build up from there so that the sensory input can be taken in and used properly. I hope that right. it, everyone. It, I think it does. And you know what it made me think of was like, um, you know, how your gut, if your gut health isn't good, you can eat all the you know, if you're having issues with it, you can take as many vitamins as you want or, you know, but if you're bought or eat as well as you want, but if there's a, an innate problem in your gut that you have to deal with first and you're not able to, to digest the nutrition and, and take in the vitamins, um, I don't know why I mean, that like seemed like no, a, you know, that's a fantastic <laughs> analogy, actually. I'm going to borrow that from you. Okay, good. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's, it's exactly, a, it's a perfect analogy because, if you're giving sensory input and it's stressful for the body as a, um, then, and the body can't take it in, then it's, it's um, not nearly as good as if you have a foundation laid so that that sensory input can be put in, in a gentle way and a way that the brain and body can use it and go, Oh, thank you. As opposed to, ah, stop, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think, um, like with, with Freya's disorder, uh, mm -hmm. the hypotonia mm -hmm. that she comes into the world with. Right. And even in the womb, I remember she didn't move very much. So I imagine like in her case and a lot of kids, um, you know, with her, with her diagnosis, I mean, they're just kind of, they're starting off way behind the starting line. Cause they're not get they're they're not even able to do all those movements in the beginning. And right. so it feels like that's what we're doing now is having to, um, you know, the more I understand about this and thankfully she had therapists early in life who understood that she needed to go back to the beginning, but uh, never in this way, like this is new to us, the reflex integration. Right. And and it's new to a lot of therapists too. And they're so happy when they start using mm -hmm. these tools. I had an OT tell me, uh, I'm seeing results now in two months that I used to be happy to get in a year. Wow. So it's, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm so thrilled that I've been blessed to, to have this training and that I can share it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the case studies in the video I was watching, um, Ken, and I don't remember uh, his age. He was a young boy, but in six months of doing the therapies, he had gained 30 months in age equivalency. Right. I mean, just mind-blowing. Right. But when you really start to understand these and how they work and why they work, then you can. it starts to make sense that it would work because it is what your body wants to be doing. Exactly. Yeah. That's the one thing that I feel is so positive is when parents take the time to read about this, they go, oh, that makes so much sense. And, um, you know, I had a parent write to me an email just a few days ago, and it, it really touched my heart. She said something like, I'm just starting to learn about this. I'm reading all I can. And she said, I'm so relieved because I kept thinking that 
the challenges that my daughters have ha, been having is um, because I must be such a bad parent. <laughs> and I remember that feeling of like, God, why am I doing something wrong? What's go? Why is this so hard? And um, mm -hmm. it really touched my heart. And I'm just so glad that now she's going to be learning these tools. And yeah. um, I feel like that she's she and her daughter uh, will be having a very joyful turnaround. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I met a woman the other night who is a grief counselor and she works mm -hmm. uh, mostly with children. And so I, I told her, I said, you've got to check this out. And I said, I would uh, send her information about it. Um, Cause I think, I think that would be, uh, see, I mean, from what I understand, it seems like it would be a great way to help out uh, children yeah. dealing with trauma and grief and yeah, because grief is traumatizing. It just is, you know, it's just, or trauma is grief inducing, you know, I mean, and, and what a wonderful thing that there's someone there that has the skills that can work with the children, but to, to help them feel safe and, um, and stable in their own body, I think would be, would be a wonderful addition because then they can process the grief and the trauma more readily uh -huh. yeah and hopefully yeah. it doesn't become this lifelong inherent anxiety like <laughs> or depression exactly exactly because that is at the uh that's at the basis of these um these long-standing underlying anxieties there's some trauma um usually there's a trauma or it may just be the trauma of not having developed properly you know, that is really, like I said, it's really tough um, physically and emotionally to be working in a body that's not really um, functioning well. Like even the children who, uh, like the older children who are have autism and they write about their accounts and they say it's so frustrating to be in this body and I can't make this body do what I want it to do. And, wow. uh, and some of them are actually in quite a bit of pain, physical pain too. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing, like I was trying to articulate before, but to realize that so many people could use this. It's not just kids that have, that have obvious developmental delays. I mean, I did, so I have, Freya, my wife, $3, but um, Freya is, is my daughter with Prada Release Syndrome. That's who I do the therapies with. And I have a daughter that's 16 months younger than her, typically mm -hmm. developing healthy, crazy, you know, like in a good way. Um, mm -hmm. And she likes me to do the movements with her sometimes. And right. the one night I did tapping, which yeah. we have just learned. And that is for the listeners. The tapping is for that fear response right the fear paralysis yeah, the fear paralysis so i mentioned um fight or flight but there's also a freeze response in the nervous system and that's mm -hmm. like a sh more of a shutdown and uh that would be yeah that's a that's okay. something like a very primitive response of our nervous system but you can get stuck in it okay so well so i've been doing that with freya so rona my youngest asked me to do it with her and so i did it with her you know okay do the tapping and uh, about an hour later, when it was time for bed, which she never has a problem with, she threw a fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, her dad's turn to read them a story. And she kept coming out to the kitchen, you know, crying. And I, I want you to do it. And then 
um, you know, she finally was fine with it. And then she, uh, she got up a couple more times and then, which this is, was just not like her. And then she crawled into bed, into our bed at like three thirty in the morning mm. and was just up for like two hours, just mm. tossing and turning. I kept saying, what's wrong? Why are you awake? And then at one point I just had this thought of, was it the tapping? Like did, you know, cause I think we had already had, I had already talked with you on the phone about how emotionally powerful these can be, you know, some of these can be. And yeah, um, they, they can stir up emotions. They can stir up buried trauma and um, yeah. And, and uh, I have heard from many parents that when they do these things, they can sometimes see wild emotional swings in their children but then if you continue on with the movements, um, you know, as long as you're going at the pace of the child, but you continue on within about a week or two, there's a whole new level of emotional maturity. And um, it's quite joyful to see that. But yeah, the, the kids have buried um, anxieties and things like that. Like even something like when you're, if the child is in the womb and you have something like you're driving to the grocery store and you have a near miss or something like that and you have a really sort of almost traumatic or traumatic event that kind of gets imprinted on the child and so mm. doing some of these um I mean, I mean I'm just making that up but it could be it could be anything you know well um, I mean when I I was I was Freya was seven months old when I got pregnant with Rona and mm -hmm. So we were so new to the diagnosis and to all, all the things that went with it. So um, I had a talk with Freya's OT about the tapping with Rona and her response. And I just think that there is so much that she had to be a part of by, you know, being in right. the room and, and being a baby when I was processing all the emotions of how to you know, how her life was gonna be with this diagnosis. And so I mean I just wonder if like how much of that affected her that I didn't realize and right right so yeah I actually didn't do the tapping anymore but uh Taryn said that I should actually that 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 that's a sign that um we should keep moving but that you know yeah like you said go at a slower pace um you know not do I don't know anyway it was just interesting because I just I was just like oh, okay yeah I'll you know I'll include you in this and then for her to have such a reaction was yeah, and I would say give her, you know, give her the rhythmic movements too, because they'll help whatever it is that got stirred up, they'll help, you know, move it right through. And, and also, you know, it's good for parents to know that when they start this, that their children might be more needy for a little while and, and to lower the demands and to try and just be present and um, they might need more hugs and cuddles and rocking and things like that. But again, once they get over whatever it, whatever was the, the thing that you know, got stirred up, um, there's just whole new levels of emotional maturity and parents report, um, wow, you know, it's so much more emotionally regulated and I can, they're so happy. Like I can actually talk and reason with my child now, you know? <laughs> whereas before there was just a complete, you know, meltdown or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so why don't we go ahead in the interest of, of not taking up too much of your time, um, do you want to go ahead and tell everybody what it is that you offer parents, how they can learn about these movements and get a hold of you and, and, uh, get, and what you're doing? 
Sure. Well, there are a lot of um, resources on the website, and it's Move, Play, Thrive, uh, and quite a lot of information there. So that's a good place to start. It's all free information. And then uh, if you look on the website under the courses, you can see any courses that I'm offering. And um, one beautiful thing is that the courses are, um, many of the courses I teach, not all, but many of them are online. And I would suggest starting with the Brain and Sensory Foundations first level course and um, just embrace it and have fun with it and know that you're uh, learning lifelong uh, tools for health and well-being for your entire family. And um, yeah, it's like I said, one of the best gifts you can give uh, for yourself and your family and your children. And uh, that's where I would suggest starting is the Brain and Sensory Foundations course. And uh, it's, um, you get a full manual with it. That's a hundred pages. And then there are online videos and uh, it's, um, it's very fun to learn learn these tools yeah mm -hmm. and you were telling me when we spoke before this vision you have um of community ways communities can implement this or parents kind of pulling their resources do you want to talk about that sure um well my my big goal <laughs> my big <laughs> dream is that I think I alluded to this earlier. My big dream is that we somehow create a world together where children don't have as many um, things that get in the way of proper development. So there, there are so many factors that get in the way of development in the womb and early infancy. And I'd love to see a world where those are really cleaned up and that we really honor this beautiful sacred process of development. So that's my big overarching goal. And then as far as like what to do with all the children that did get interfered with and hindered in these in this process um, is I would love to see this happening on a community level where parents can learn these tools or start to learn these tools and come together in groups and help each other. Um, sometimes within a parent-child relationship, especially if the parent is desperately trying to do something good for their child, it gets a little um, tense, you know, because the parent really wants it and the child senses that the parent wants to fix them. And then that, that whole mm. fixing thing, which we, right. we want to get, we want to try and stay away from fixing and just have fun and um and do it playfully but uh, and some parents can pull that off really well and others have a harder time with it i was one that had a harder time with it so um but i think um you know i've heard of parents getting together and saying hey um, let's learn this together and then i'll work with your kids and you can work with my kids or we can come together and have play dates and do it all together and then on a community level i was um my vision is to you know, train some people in my own community and bring this out to where parents can um, bring their children and um, we can all be in a big room together and do a lot of games and have a lot of fun, playful activities and 
um, stations in a room where we can go around a room and here's the ball station you can play with balls and here's the station where you get rhythmic movement and here's the station where you get one of your reflexes integrated and then it's all done in a really fun way and uh, so I'm hoping soon to create that in my own community and then bring it to other communities and uh, that way parents can have more support going through it um, and because uh, I know I know it can be overwhelming um, being a parent, especially in this day and age. Uh, so that that's my my thought, and uh, we'll see. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll see what uh, what happens, and see how well I can pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a it's a fantastic mm -hmm. vision, and mm -hmm. uh, and so hopefully putting this out on the podcast will get more people aware of what's going on and getting yeah. them getting them learning the the movements and and uh bring them to their communities yes exactly and i so appreciate your time uh to delve into this subject and to um give it more exposure because it really does deserve it <laughs> <laughs>